Good morning. Can I just lie to you this morning? Uh, oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm having a fabulous week. Uh, <laughs> Anybody's like, yeah, I know. Can I just tell you the truth? What have you been doing? <laughs> oh, God is good. Amen. Uh, it's a good day to be here at Springhouse. I'm glad that you're here. And if you're joining us on live stream, thanks for, for joining us today. Uh, can we just show our appreciation to everybody who volunteered and helped at the Fall Fest on Tuesday? Especially April Davis over there with the hat. Our coordinator this year, uh, we had almost 2,000 people come, it seemed, and our guests toward the, with the tallies, and uh, man, it was just such a great night. I think we'll keep doing that, and uh, it, was really, it was really, really good. Thank you if you came and volunteered. Thank you so much for serving in that way. Uh, man, many, many, uh, many comments and conversations took place Tuesday that were really, really good. So, uh, amen. So we're leaning into what God has next, uh, which actually will happen next Sunday. Uh, next Sunday is the final day to bring in your shoe boxes for Operation Christmas Child. Um, it may seem early, but in order to get Christmas Child boxes to the kids before Christmas around the world, they've got to have them early. So this is our Springhouse Christmas Outreach. We do this because you as a family can do do this together on your own schedule and your own time. Uh, and it's so, so simple. And every box has the gospel in it. And so uh, we just encourage you to participate in that. I'd like to see, where's Lisa or Alan or anybody? Do we, we have a lot of boxes still out there? We've Got 25 boxes. All right. First one out there. Ready? Go. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no. If you, did, if you don't actually get a box, you can use an actual shoe box. You don't have to have one of those green boxes. You can use a shoe box. But if we've handed out, if we're going to hand out 250, let's have 300 come back. Amen. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Amen. So those are, those are the announcements for this week. Um, well, we have, if you have been paying attention, if you haven't slept through church and you've uh, been rocking and rolling with us, you know we've been a series, in a series called Kingdom Seekers. Uh, and it's not just because it's written behind me in big yellow letters, but we have been in this series all year, all year. And we've really been uh, drawing from uh, the book of Matthew uh, in, this, uh, in this series. Um, and uh, this week, the Lord actually, because of something Rhonda shared last week, the Lord got a, a hold of my heart um, about... Uh, uh, where I was going to go with the message today, and um, and we're actually going to end the Kingdom Seekers series next week. Uh, we're going to talk about the greatest commandment next week. Uh, but this week, um, this week we're actually not going to go to Matthew for for the message. And I struggled with that because I was like, Lord, we've been in Matthew the whole year. Rhonda was talking about how we jumped around last week, and I'm like, ah, you know. And uh, so I tried for about three hours to find a verse that would fit, and the Lord said, Stop. <laughs> Stop doing that. Uh, so we're, I'm just, we're not in Matthew today, but I believe that the message today is going to be very much connected to where we've been and, and where we're going. And so I just believe that you'll trust me and I know you'll tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. So, um, we're going to do one short verse today and I'm going to expect you to read it with gusto. It's probably a verse many of you heard before. So stand with me if you will. Let's read together. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Father, I thank you that you are good. 
All the time you are good. And Lord, I thank you that our, our goodness or badness is not a prerequisite to your goodness. I pray, Lord, today that our hearts would be open and that you would ex- help us to examine our lives, especially when it comes to our table. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So if you've been tracking along with us at least for the last five weeks, you know that there's kind of been a common thread over the messages and kind of started from a word I received from the Lord when I was gone in September on sabbatical. And uh, we were talking, uh, we've been kind of infusing the messages with, uh, with faith, with talking about faith. And uh, I really believe that God wants uh, us to, um, to experience deeper levels with him. I believe that God wants to move supernaturally in people's lives. Do you know that God, I say we want God to move supernaturally. Do you know that God has been moving supernaturally in people's lives? Uh, There are people here, uh, there's, somebody had a stroke, they're here this morning. Somebody, uh, there's there's so many examples of of where God has moved and, and, and testimonies that are being shared because somebody stepped out and believed that God would do what he said he would, he would do. And, and, um, and I so love to hear the stories of God shared. You know, the whole Old Testament is a story after story of story about what God did and how faithful God is. And you have a testimony. The word tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And you have a testimony. You have a story. If you're breathing and living and you allow God to get involved with your life, you have a story and your story is meant to be shared. Your story is meant to be shared. And I've been believing for Springhouse Church on Tuesdays, we come in here and we, I walk around, I pace the room. I I actually get a lot of steps in that day. Uh, but I pace the room and, uh, and I pray and I'm asking the Lord, Lord, would you increase people's faith that are connected with Springhouse? Why am I praying that prayer? Well, yes, I believe that God can do supernaturally, exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever imagine. He'll meet us in our need and, and he'll wow us with all those things. But there is a motive to the prayer. And the motive is, is that I want to see people grafted into the kingdom. I want to see people, numbers added to the kingdom. And I believe that he will add numbers to the kingdom as he moves and as his people step into faith and, and believe him who he says he is and we'll, and we'll lean into all all that he has for us, we're going to have story after story and testimony after testimony of his goodness. And when you share his goodness with people, people begin to say, wait a second, if he did that for you, Jeremy, maybe, just maybe, he might be able to do something in my situation or in my life. Maybe, just maybe, when I'm believing, I've been believing God for X for many, many years, and maybe I've laid that prayer down because I just have, haven't got the strength or the faith to believe anymore. But, but man, Hannah, because of what he did in your life, I can... I, I might, man, there's, there's an ember that's needing to be fanned in there that I actually could believe that God can move. Guys, anytime God moves, it helps solidify the reality of his existence. Anytime God moves, it helps solidify the, the reality of his existence in our lives. And we are such fickle people that God will move three months ago in a miraculous way and we will find ourselves in the pit in the valley three months later forgetting that he moved just three months ago. So we need repetition in the stories. That's why it's good to go back. You're never finished reading the Bible. 
There, 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 there are stories in there that come to life when we read it to be reminded of God's faithfulness, reminded that he is with us and for us and not against us, reminded, guys, I have been a stinker this week, and I know I'm probably the only one, all you perfect folks out here. I've, I've been rotten this week. I need a reminder that God's grace and mercy for me this morning is brand new, and man, he has it for me in an abundant fashion, an abundant form, and I'll tell you, I tell you what, when he meets me in that way, I didn't have to bring anything to the table except for a willingness to come, a willingness to receive what he had for me. What a glorious, gracious, wonderful, incredible father we have. He is for us. He is not against us. So as we've been looking at faith, let's just take a moment and examine for a second. What is faith? Now, the word tells us in Hebrews, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about we, what we do, not, we do not see. Now, faith, faith is a posture of being open-handed and saying, God, I can be in control, but I think you being in control is going to be much better for my life. I think what you have to say and where you'll take me, is going to, it's, going to, it's going to turn out a lot better for me if I'm not in control. You know, I have faith, I have faith that I'm going to see Jesus Christ one day. I have faith that my daughters are going to grow up as valiant warriors for the kingdom. I have, I have faith that God is going to meet my and Sherry's needs every single day. I have faith that when God tells me to give away something that I'm not prepared to give away, if I'll do it, he's going to, it might not be that he blesses me with times three or 10, but if I walk in obedience to him, I don't have to worry about a thing because he's going to take care of anything that would be a fallout. I have faith that he's going to bring into my life friends that I need to walk with. And he's going to, he's going to have people exit my life that are not supposed to be there. I, I have faith. In, and a lot of these things, it starts in a posture of it's not happened yet, but I'm confident that it will. I'm confident that it will. And so why is, why is having faith Important. Well, if you're a believer in this room, and I believe a majority of you are, the Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why is it impossible to please God without faith? Well, it's because if you have faith, you cannot have faith and not believe he doesn't exist. He, he exists. Whoever has faith believes that he exists. And guess what he goes on to say, which he doesn't have to. Do you know that we do not deserve any type of reward? And this is, this is nuts, guys. Let me give you, let me, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to, I'm going to open the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to give you blessing beyond measure. I'm going to, I'm going to give you peace, joy, and right, all of these things. And, and, and. If you believe that I exist and you seek me, I'm going to reward you. What kind of God is this, people? What kind of God is this that loves us this much that he would be a rewarder for those who diligently seek him? Guys, are you seeking the Lord? Are you seeking God? Is he a part of your daily walk, your daily journey? Is he involved or did you just walk in this Sunday and be reminded, oh, there you are, God. Faith. We can't please God without faith. Your salvation was impossible until Jesus stepped into the picture and his grace coupled with your faith brought about your, your, your salvation. Over in Ephesians 2, 8, it says this, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves. 
It's a gift of God. Cornelius, I did not do anything to earn my salvation. I've been pretty good, not this week, but you know, in the past, I've been good. <laughs> well, I don't hang out with those people. I don't say those types of things. I'm, I'm showing up on time to church. I get in my Bible every day. I've got all this stuff going on. Surely I've earned some points with God. No, like filthy rags. You have not done anything to earn your salvation. It is a gift from God. Why then, when he extends the invitation to us and we have done nothing to earn it, why then do we put conditions on people when they walk into our lives and want a seat at our table? When it comes to faith, faith makes what seems impossible possible. And I'm just crazy enough to believe, Fred, I'm crazy enough to believe, Alan, that, that God wants to make some impossible things at Springhouse Church possible. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about marriages that are on the rocks. God wants to heal your marriage. I'm talking about reconciliation and relationships that have been distanced. I'm talking about when you're sitting across the room from somebody that you know you need to forgive and you haven't walked in a posture of forgiveness because you don't know how to get there. You don't understand what they did to me, what they said to me. I believe God wants to get in there and he wants to till some ground that you thought was gonna be hardened and like it is forever. And God says, nay, 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 nay. I want to come in and supernaturally do a work. He wants to make impossible things possible. What are you believing God for this morning? What type of faith posture do you need to take toward a person who has abandoned you, walked out of your life, turned their back on you, said those things about you. He is the God of taking impossible situations and bringing possibilities to them. Guys, I've so seen God move in my life over the years. I am a product. I am literally a product of an open seat at a table at the Ronnie Meeks house. I am a product of, of extravagant love being poured out in generosity in my life that could only be ascribed, glory could only be ascribed to the Lord Jesus Christ for supplying those individuals in my life who had faith enough to believe that a, a, a fool like me would ever be able to be used in the kingdom of God. I have so seen God move in powerful, miraculous ways. And every time I hear a story of somebody's faith journey, it bolsters my faith and it reminds me that God is still on the throne and he is who he says he is. But guys, it's not enough for us just to believe in my, our minds. It's not, it's not good enough just to say, okay, I have to, I'm gonna wear a shirt. I believe. I'm just, I, yeah, this is great. Kevin, let's rally behind and shout faith real loud three times and you, we got it. No, the Bible tells us that if we are to have faith, there's gotta be some action tied to it. This is actually a time where you don't have to sit still unless God tells you to. You don't have to sit still. This is some action. There's some action to be tied to this. Let, our brother James says in chapter two, he says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? I say I have faith, but my faith is behind closed doors. I wear the T-shirt, I read the Bible, I do all of the things, but when I step out into the world, nobody knows me different from anybody else in the world. 
What kind of faith is that? James says, without deeds, faith is dead. Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. You are impoverished. You are hungry. You have nothing. Well, Lord bless you. I hope that you find something along your way. You are so great. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for you when I've got food right here to offer. When I've got food right here to offer them. Let me take it a step deeper. I've got food to offer the people that I like, the people who look like me, the people who live lifestyles like I do, the people who are in, communi- in community with me. But boy, let somebody look a little bit different than me, smell a little bit different than I do, sound a little bit different than I do. Oh, that person's definitely a sinner. Well, I hope you find along your way. Faith without deeds is dead. Faith without deeds is dead. He says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by actions, it, it's dead. He says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. I'm talking about the type of faith that causes you to be in the supermarket line, and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to tell them about me, and you go, whoop. I'm talking about having a $100 bill in your pocket, knowing that good and well, you want to go spend that on whatever you're wanting. And then they say, the Lord says, I want you to give that $100 to that person. But God, that's for my toy. That's for what I want. And you don't listen. But what would happen if you did? What would happen if you opened your mouth? What would happen if you did what he told you to do when it's uncomfortable, when it doesn't feel good, when it doesn't sit right? What about when he says to you, I want you to go to the person who wronged you, where you didn't do anything wrong, and I want you to bestow upon them joy, peace, love, patience. That's faith in action. That's faith in action that's not explained very well by the world, but it can only be explained in the kingdom by an extraordinary God. And we need this extraordinary God to move in our lives because I believe God wants to do a work here at Springhouse and beyond. I'm going to ask a question that's not rhetorical. If this applies to you, I want you to shout amen. If you know somebody, you can name their name that needs salvation right now, shout amen. Amen. If you know somebody who needs reconciliation in a relationship or you need reconciliation, say amen. Amen. If if you know of somebody who needs to be restored, needs some types of restoration in their life or you need restoration in your life, say amen. amen. If you know somebody who needs to be forgiven or needs to bestow forgiveness, say amen. If you know somebody that is a prodigal or somebody has run away from the Lord and needs to come back home, say amen. Guys, do you hear the confession out of our mouths that there are people who need an encounter with this glorious God and the same people who said amen are the same people God's going to use to change lives. The same ones in here who said amen, that voice God is going to use you to change those people's lives. Are you willing to allow your faith to matriculate into action? Are you willing to allow him to move? And so today, my question to pose before the church is this, what is the condition of your table? What is the condition of your 
table. Now, all of us in this room have a common denominator when it comes to a table. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you, were, you had an open invitation to a table that you did not belong to. That you, that, that you did not deserve to go to. You had an open invitation to take a seat that only righteous is, is supposed to be there. And because of Jesus Christ, there was a seat that was open for you and you, there were no conditions put on you except to come, except to come. And so it begins, our journey begins with an invitation. Over in the book of Revelation, this is our invitation. Is the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Note the word free gift there. Next, in Revelation again, he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost. What does that mean? You don't have to bring anything. Just come and partake. Just come and receive. Just come and experience me, says the Lord. What's next? Over in Isaiah, the prophet says this, come all who are thirsty. Not some, not those who have their life together, not those who have done all the checklists. Come all who are thirsty. Come to the waters and those who have no money. Come, buy and eat. How do you buy and eat when you don't have money? I don't know, but the supplier said come and get it. Come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. All of this is so that we might experience something greater and better than we've ever experienced in our life. All of this is so that we might experience something better and greater than we've ever experienced in our life. This past Wednesday, I had a doctor's appointment in Nashville. And after my doctor's appointment, I decided to write, just slide right in to a place called O'Charlie's. <laughs> Anybody ever been to O'Charlie's? Have you ever been to O'Charlie's on a Wednesday? Now we're about to have church in here. The band might have to come back here in a minute, okay? I went into O'Charlie's and I got me, I had a really great doctor's appointment. So I was feeling good. So I said, I'm gonna treat myself to a meal. And I got there and I ate it. And the, that nice waitress came over and she said, would you like a piece of pie? Now, ordinarily, now ordinarily, I would say no. But there were two conditions that changed my mind. The first condition was I had a pretty good doctor's appointment. So I'm gonna have a piece of pie. And then she used an adjective. She said, would you like a piece of free pie? Should about a Honda, about about a Kia. Lord Jesus, free caramel pie. Is it good? She said, "Oh yeah." How many know that free pie tastes better than pie you pay for? So I, so I, I went in there, and and she came out. She came out with this, and it was a big piece too. She came out with this pie, and and I was like, "Oh my Lord." I was, I was contending between rebuking the devil <laughs> and enjoying the blessing of the Lord. I looked at this pie and I said, Jesus. And I dipped into that pie and I took a bite. Oh, it was so stinking good. It was so good, guys. I licked the plate. I licked the plate. 
I got every bit of caramel. It was, it was, this is the best pie I've ever had. I'm, I'm not kidding. This is like the best. I love this crack cocaine pie. I mean, this pie is so, <laughs> is so delicious. And, and I had an experience at O'Charlie's. Listen to me. I had an experience at O'Charlie's that if you want to know where I'll be at two o'clock next Wednesday, <laughs> the experience was so good, it makes me want to go back. And not only does it make me want to go back, it makes me want to bring the people who I love the most with me. Because my experience was so good, and I can hear, Hannah, I can tell you, but look at this pie, it's so good. Doesn't it look so good? It looks good, I'm telling you, it tastes good, it smells, smell it. It smells so good, it's gooey, oh, and so I can tell you all day long about my experience, but Tisha, until you come with me, and until you put your fork in this, and until you take a bite, it's never going to be as good as it can be for you until you experience it for yourself. Now, here's what happens. We have a table and we've got a pie. Now this is post-salvation. We have experienced the Lord, okay? We have experienced the Lord and our commission is to bring others into the kingdom. And so we're like, oh, I've got to, there are people out there that need to taste this pie, okay? And so James, I'd like you to invite, I'd like to invite you to my, to my table. He's excited. Me? Now, now I invite James, James, come on in, buddy. Come on, come on over. Have a seat over here. And so James comes and I say, hey, James, how are you doing, buddy? Good. Good. Now, James comes and I've invited him because I want him to experience what I know is so good. But there's a problem. James has brought his own dish. And what James has chosen to bring is a plate of rocks. Now, I understand this because I used to eat rocks and I used to, I used to eat them and I have a, a chipped tooth because of it. I, it didn't digest very well. I may have had to have surgery. I was in a lot of pain, but guess what? I stopped eating rocks because I had a different experience. And so we sit down. Now, James only knows about rocks. He doesn't know anything about this pie. And James is totally content with his rocks. Now, let me tell you what happens. <laughs> we sit down and we're going to eat together. And James is going to feast. Here's a fork, buddy. He's going to feast on these, uh, on his rocks. And he's, he's so happy to do so. He's got a piece of pie right in front of him. But he is, he is so content with these rocks. Now, here's the thing. This is what we tend to do. James, this rock is horrible for you. Look at this rock. Can you feel this rock? See how hard this is? If you eat this, your teeth are going to be so jacked up. If you swallow this, you're going to have to go to the hospital. How dare you eat this rock? Can you believe that? I can't believe you even brought the rock to the table. How dare you bring the rock when all this good stuff is here? This rock is so bad for you. And what we do, listen to me, is we illuminate the rock as opposed to illuminating the pie. We look at the person who's at the table and we tell them all about the wrong things that they've done, everything that they've done. Instead of saying, I've got an experience that I need to share with you. What does it look like when James is starting to eat his rocks and I say, dude, I know you got some rocks right there, but you have got to try this pie. I mean, dude, dude, I'm telling you, this pie is, this pie is so much better than anything you have ever had. This is so much better than those rocks any day of the week. 
<laughs> yeah. You're right. <laughs> and he doesn't want to eat the rocks anymore because he had an experience for himself. He had an experience for himself. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I, I can't stand carrot cake. Can't stand it. We went to Chattanooga. We went to chat. Okay. Forgive me for not liking carrot cake. Jeez. Okay. I don't like carrot cake. We went to Chattanooga uh, with a group and Justin Bashir's is there and he goes back and he gets this big piece of carrot cake and he's like, oh, this is so good. And I just know I don't like carrot cake. I don't want to. He's like, you got to try this. No, it's okay. You got to try this. He all but shoved that carrot cake down my throat. And the minute he put that in my mouth, Let's just say I've had people go to Chattanooga and buy me carrot cake since and bring it back to me. It was that, it was that good. Here's the thing. You can't ride on the coattails of somebody else's experience. You have to have an experience for your own. And here's the thing. You are supposed to be talking about the experience you've had with the Lord, with the people who have not had the same experience with you. Instead of putting a big shining flashlight and mirror in their face about everything they've done wrong, you're supposed to be illuminating the God in your life so they are attracted to him and want to change their lives. And so James has had this experience. You can keep eating that, buddy. You just keep enjoying that right there, okay? (laughs) Here's the thing. Change is up to them, but the invitation is up to you. The invitation is up to you. What does it look like to have the faith enough to invite people to your table who don't look like you, who don't act like you, who don't live lifestyles like you, that are rotten, bad, whatever, anything in between. What type of faith does it take to actually always have a vacancy at your table for anybody who would respond to the invitation? I want to talk about four different types of tables. The first table is this. The closed table. Some of us have a closed table. A closed table. A closed table is really for you and for you alone. There's not a lot of activity happening at the table because it's closed. The only voice at the table is yours. How many know that it's dangerous when yours is the only voice being heard? There's no room for anybody else. There's no patience for anybody else. There's no grace for anybody else. Have you ever been in, have you ever walked into a house or seen it maybe a model home or I dare say it might be some of your houses, but you, there's a, there's a, there's a dining room table and it is just set up. It's got fine china on, it's got the, the candle, all, all of the stuff and nobody ever sits at the table. Have you ever seen one of those? Like, it's like there and it's for looks only. That's kind of what the closed table is. It is for those perfectionists that think they've got their whole life together and they set it just the way they like it and nobody's invited to mess with it. It's a closed table. Don't even go into the same room. You rob others of what God has placed inside you. Do you know that what God has given you You cannot contain it. what, What God has actually placed in you is so much larger than yourself. So when you don't invite others to the table, you can't even contain what God has given you inside you. And so all of that gift, all of that stuff just goes down to the wayside. It's wasted. 
God has given you, all of you in this room, he's given you something for somebody else. But if you had a closed table, then it's just for you. The food starts to, you know, we, we have a rejection sign on the table. One of the first things I did as lead pastor, we had a ramp out here. First things I did as lead pastor, I went up the ramp and we had these big red signs that said, do not enter. And I understood why they were there. It's because, you know, you don't want people going up the ramp the wrong way. I don't want anything posted on this church that makes it seem like we don't want you here. And some of us have tables in our lives, that big red signs that says, you're not welcome. You're not welcome. Because of X, Y, and Z. Jesus told us that we were to go and make disciples. You cannot make disciples at a closed table. We're supposed to be as witnesses around the world. We cannot be as witnesses if we are sitting at a closed table. The food at this table is bitterness, anger, rage, unforgiveness, isolation. And some of us who have these tables eat those every single day. What's the condition of your table? What's the condition of your table? The next type of table that I want to talk about is the cluttered table. Some of you have, some of us have cluttered tables. It's not that people aren't invited to the table. It's just that when they're invited, they never receive the same thing. The table is inconsistent. When they come, they might get something of life or they might get something of death. You might have pie to offer, but today you're going to serve rocks. You're going to say whatever it is that makes the person happy. You're going to do whatever it is. It's a table of manipulation. It's a table of double-mindedness. The word tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in some of his ways. Double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You don't want to be sitting, sitting at a table owned by a double-minded individual. Cluttered tables lead to death rather than life. You've got the best to share, but you're content to settle with whatever. The Bible tells us that God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His table is consistent. The grace and mercy that I needed three months ago is the same grace and mercy that I have access to and needed this morning is the same grace and mercy and access that I have three years from now. He never changes. I can count on the, you can count on the Lord. You can count on the Lord. You can count on his table. We want to be a church that has a table that people can count on giving, getting the best that he offers and where distractions are not present. You don't want a cluttered table. The next type of table I want to talk about is the exclusive table. And this is a dangerous table. And this is probably the one that we are most familiar with. The exclusive table is only for a certain type of person. It's only for the person who has all their, their ducks in the row. This table often will cost you something to come and sit down at it. It's a, it's a fake table. 
It's a, it's a table where authenticity doesn't belong. It has no place. It's a, it's a place where it seems there's a stench of community, but it's not real community at all. It's just, we're getting together to say that we got together. It's exclusive. It's the only table that also you could get a revoked privilege to come to. Because if you say the wrong thing at the exclusive table, you can't come back. If you confess that you've messed up, you can't come. I had a pastor friend call me this week on Wednesday. He, he's in North Carolina pastoring a church. And he said to me, Kevin, I've got a problem. My worship leader came up to me this week. He, he, said, he said, I've been inviting this worship leader over. He's a single guy. I've been inviting him over for for weeks, and we've been uh, hanging out at the table, having great conversation. And this past week, he confessed to me that about every six months or so, when he's lonely, he gets on a dating app and he goes and hooks up with somebody. And he was like, "So, I mean, obviously, this is a big deal, and you know, we probably need to fire him or and set him down, and really make sure he understands the consequences of his actions. What would you recommend we do?" And and I said, "Well, well, hold on a second. Let me ask you a question. So." This guy had the guts to confess to you something that he has struggled with, to bring something out of darkness into the light because you've invited him to the table. And the first thing you want to do is shun him away from your table and reject him so he can go back and live in his world of sin. Let me tell you something. What you need to do is go tell that brother, you thought you were a worship leader. You wait to see what God's going to do now that you brought this thing out into the light. God has so much more for you now that this has been illuminated. God has so much for you. This should be a time of celebration because somebody has a illuminated a dark place in their life. Why is it that when we are offered free to come to the table of the Lord, why is it that we put conditions on the people who come and sit with us? The reason he confessed his sin was because he got in relationship with the pastor. God, oh, please let us be people that bring things out into the light and celebrate when we do. I want to be an authentic church. I want us to be a people who can freely confess to one another and believe that the experience of the Holy Spirit will change our lives. We can't do that at an exclusive table. The table that has everything together. You gotta have a membership to get into it. We don't wanna be a people who exclude. We wanna be a people who include. The last table that I want to talk about is the table that we should be praying to be as a church, and it is an open table. My heart's cry for Springhouse is that we would have the faith enough that we would be able to put action to our words, action to our faith, that we would be a church who is an open table. This table that is open is the table for everyone. This is a table that all of us have something in common with because had it not been for an open table like this, none of us would be in the position to host our own tables. The world tells us that, the, the word tells us that all have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means you. That means me. We needed a table that had a seat for us. And I want to be a church that has a vacant seat for anybody who will come and accept the invitation. 
This table has no condition and renders dignity and respect to the individual, understanding that each has his own journey and own circumstance. I had somebody come up to me and said, I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't go to church because of all the hypocrites there. And I said, yeah, and we have room for one more. Come on. We all need a savior. This is a table that renders life everlasting and a hope that no one can deny. This is a table that you don't have to get cleaned up right to come and sit at. This is a table that says, come as you are, bring what you have and taste and see that the Lord is good. Church, this is the table that I want Springhouse Church to be. I want it to be our table as a church. I want it to be like this as a table in your individual lives. Now, I know that some of you want a pastor who will get up here and set everybody straight, make sure everybody knows what they're doing wrong, set the record straight, pelt all the, guys, I'm not that guy. But, but, but what I will do is extend an invitation to a table that has an experience with an almighty God who knows how to bring salvation, knows how to restore people who need restoration, knows how to mend broken hearts and broken places. This is a table where the unforgiving forgive. Those who don't feel like they deserve forgiveness, get forgiveness. This is a table where extraordinary love lives. And if you will have an experience with the Holy Spirit, all that bad stuff you've been mixed up with, you won't want to do that anymore because what you've experienced is too good to want to continue doing any of that. I want this to be the type of table we have because Kevin O'Day needed a chair like this. And God had it over and over and over and over again for me. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, I don't have a table, but I sure do need a seat at one. <laughs> this is a morning where God will meet you. The God of the heavens will meet you and change your life forever. All you have to do is come. There's no conditions. Come. And may we be a church, as I pray, that accepts and invites anybody, anybody who will come. Stand with me, church. If you're going to pray with people, would you come forward? Maybe this morning you need a taste of the pie. That's uh, metaphorically. That's not an invitation to come eat. But in all seriousness, this morning, if you have forgotten that you've got a seat at the table, you come and let some brothers or sisters minister to you. Maybe you're standing in the gap for someone. I'm talking about faith that meets up with action, people. If you are believing, we had the whole room almost say amen to those things. What are we believing God for? Let's get an agreement with somebody. Sometimes the faith step is me confessing to Hannah, I need to see God do this specific thing in this specific way. And she agrees with me and we pray together. Come down and agree with these brothers and sisters and let's see God do some amazing things among us. Let's worship. He's a good God.